Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the SportKite Podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of SportKite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. This is a second part of a few-part conversation that we have, kind of with a group of guys, answering some of the listener-submitted questions. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous episode, part one of this conversation, so you can get kind of caught up, and then kind of jump in on this, where we get to talking about kind of all sorts of good stuff regarding lines, the best line set to learn on, and whether or not there's a difference when it comes to carbon fiber or fiberglass in sparring a kite, in setting up a kite. So hope you enjoy this episode. If you like what you hear here, consider going to buymeacoffee.com slash sportkite and becoming a supporting member of this podcast. Every little bit helps and want to give a huge shout out to all of our supporters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So let's go ahead and get started with this episode. All right, so let's move on to the second question. I think we have had something like this one before, uh, but it does keep coming up, and I see a lot of beginners have this question. And part of the reason I'm bringing it up is because I know there is no one definitive answer on this, but this is your chance to defend your position, is what is the best line length to learn on? Oh. Learn what? What are you learning? What are a lot of things to learn? I mean, yeah, just learn sport type flying. Precision yeah. flying or freestyle flying or? Yes. Are you a uh, beginner flyer, experienced flyer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have lines? Yes. I'm gonna throw. Out, I'm gonna throw out a number. Hundred feet. I'm with Paul. And- I'm not going to put out a number. I'm going <laughs> to maybe explain a little bit here. There's like trade-offs. Thank you, right? Spence. <laughs> There's trade-offs. Longer lines. I love longer lines. They're great. I fly on 120 foot a lot. That's a big standard in quad line, especially a bunch of people fly 120s. They can fly team together. I fly 120s on dual lines too, because I, then I can fly team with all the quad lines with my dual line and that's fun. Or fly team with other dual line kites. Like 120 feet is a pretty good standard, but that is pretty long. Um, and so that's nice. It gives you a lot of space. You can fly around for a long time, lots of room to kind of work on tricks that maybe decay in altitude, right? Like you can do comets for like a long time because <laughs> it takes you a while to get to the bottom. The downside is if you mess up, it's a long walk. Um, so having shorter lines can help a lot with that where, you know, if I'm really practicing slack line stuff, um, I might go down to like 30 foot lines or 50 foot lines or something like that, because then when I mess up, it's like a real short walk to go and just grab it, pick it up. And, you know, if it's quad line, I can just throw it back out again um, or whatever. So you've got some variety there in terms of, of tools for learning. Um, so I guess the short end of that is like precision benefits a lot from, from having some longer lines and anything that's risky benefits a lot from having some short lines because that, that reset ability, I guess. Um, and then there's also benefits about the sort of wind conditions, longer lines, you have more stuff that's going to be heavier, right? Um, but it can also get you up higher where maybe, maybe your ground wind is terrible, but the wind up high is nicer. So having longer lines can help you a lot with that. Um, but shorter lines, less weight. So if there's really not hardly any wind at all, then short lines can be really nice because you just have less weight to carry around and 
Um, and that can be kind of fun. But Paul, I see you wagging your finger. What, what's up? I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Um, I, I don't know that I 100% agree with you on the short lines are, are better for light winds. And I, I realize that, that we're doing that in indoor, but I think that's because of the, the hate constraint of, of a building. Um, I like longer lines with, with, with light wind because it gives me more control and more use of, of gravity, right? If I'm at the end of 100 foot lines in super light winds, I can let that kite come down left to right diagonally and gain a lot of ground. Um, I, I agree with most of the points that you're making. Absolutely, I do. Um, walk of shame part as to what you're saying. I don't care. If I have to do a walk of shame, I'll on 100 foot lines. Well, that'll teach me not to make that mistake again, right? Um, the thing with line lengths is that if I can do a trick on 50 foot line, that doesn't mean that I can do it on a hundred foot line, but if I can do it on a hundred foot line, it definitely means that I can do it on a 50 foot line, which is again, why I'm advocating for a slightly longer line. Um, it, it, it also a slightly longer line marries a precision better in my opinion with, with freestyle, with trick flying. Um, and it just gives you, as you already Spence pointed out, it gives you just a bigger, a bigger canvas to paint your painting on, if you will. Um, there's just just more room to do what you want to do, but even in a a a a light wind situation, a longer line I think gives me a, a little bit more uh, uh, leeway. That at that point the uh, the line thickness comes into play. But even in the lightest of lightest of winds, I hardly ever fly lower than ninety pounds, which I know many people fly at fifty pounds line. I've always been a stickler for safety and I don't want lines to break on me or cut through my, my trailing edge of my kite when I do tricks. So I use a slightly thicker line. I've always 90 pounds is my lightest line and a and hundred pounds is my, my lowest length, if you will. Yeah, Paul, I definitely agree with all of that. And especially on dual line, it's really rare. I go below 80 feet, 80 feet. I usually run 80 feet or hundred feet on, on dual line. I made a short set recently just to kind of play with for when it's like really dead and I'm just like farting around and stuff. So they can be fun. Um, and same with quad line. I don't, I use short lines when I'm out doing crowd play. Like a lot of times the festivals I'll step outside the boundaries and kind of walk around and I'll carry a kite on short lines with me so I can kind of like interact with people and be there to talk to them. And that's a lot easier to fit in those kinds of spaces with short lines. But if I'm, yeah, really flying for me and like really trying to do some stuff, then I, yeah, I really like the point that you, you kind of gisted on a little bit about the marrying of precision and tricks and that, oh, if you have more space, oh, I can run, a, I can fly a square and then run that into a trick. Like you have the space to do that stuff and work on actually composing those things together as opposed to just, oh, I'm just doing tricks and like, you know, you don't have any room to actually do any figures. So all you're doing is like flippy shit and that's it. Um, you know, and you can really fall into that hole if, if you're really, really short lines for sure. And yes, Spence, if of course the the uh, the surroundings or the location dictate that I need to fly shorter lines, 50 foot, 30 foot audience, I will do that, of course. But my story was mainly predicated on the, on, on the assumption that it was me by myself on a large beach. Yeah, maybe one other thing that I mentioned really quickly um, is that, so when I started with quad line, I had two line sets. I had an 80 foot set and I had a 30 foot set and I lost my 80 foot set. So I was like, I had only a 30 foot set for like a year 
um, flying quad line by myself. And I think that did a lot for me. Um, and it's really quad line specific because I think it's a really cool tool for working on, on speed control. Um, and it could apply to dual line a little bit, but speed control is so much more like obvious on a quad line. But being so restricted in space means I can't fly like balls out going really fast all the time because I have no space to do that. So you're going to fly slower, more gradually, more, more in control through all of that. So being on really short lines, I think, was a nice restriction for me when I was when I was in more of those learning stages. And it also helped with doing axles and tossing catches are fun and like stuff like that. So that there were some really nice learning benefits for me um, on quad line. I haven't noticed that as strongly on dual line, but um, I'm sure there's some of that as well. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that and I'm really sorry to keep the other two guys out of this conversation when I'm not at the same time having, having the impression that they're both like jumping to jump into it. Um, on no win days, it's super cool to be playing with that with that catching and throwing stuff on dual line kites as well. So in that case, yes, I will grab a 50-foot line or a 30-foot line and play with that a little bit and having the kite come back to me or let it helicopter down to me so I can catch it and maybe even throw it away again if, if, if line length uh, uh, allows me and, and my <laughs> running back quickly uh, allows me to do so. So yeah, there's absolutely something to be said for for shorter lines uh, in in very given situations to play with, to practice with, or just because surroundings dictate so. Um, but I believe the original question was a uh, line length. Um, yeah, it's the, a which pair is best kind of question. What is what is what is the line length? And I'm still going to go with 100 for 100 foot on that. I'm I'm going to take the easy route and cut Hunter off. Cause it looks like he wants to jump in. Um, <laughs> if there is a manufacturer's recommendation, use that. Um, Devin and I noticed in some of our design work that flying some kites on some really short lines and some really long lines that it completely changes flight characteristics um using the same weight length or some same weight of the lines so we you know if you were to fly uh whatever if you were to fly a kite on 50 foot lines and then fly it on 150 foot lines it's going to fly completely different yes i know the window is going to be tremendously larger on 150 foot lines but you add the drag into it from the longer lines, it's going to bring the nose forward. It's going to dump wind differently, you know, off the trailing edge of the kite. So it's going to act completely differently. Um, so my first go is, is see if they're manufacturers recommendations. Um, if there aren't use what you have, if you ha don't have many options, go with what you got. If you have tons of options, go with what you're comfortable with. All right. So uh, I'll answer it a couple ways. Uh, I think one answer that's kind of been alluded to here that no one has said because we're trying to stick to the question is there's not a perfect line set or line length. So uh, I think that's the way to think about it. And what you've already heard from John, Wadi, and Paul is almost think about it like golf in a way. You don't go out to play a round of golf with one club you go out with a bag of clubs and you pick the right one for those conditions so i think it's important to note that you in order to 
maximize your flying time and the enjoyment that you get out of your kite, you are likely going to have two to three line sets per style. And when I say style, I mean dual line, quad line, something like that. Maybe it's just two, maybe it's three, just all depends. Um, so I think that's important to note is having multiple line sets. Um, the other side of it that I'll just throw out there is for me. Um, and I will say that all the answers that have been here so far are probably the better ones when it comes to creating the right habits of longer lines. Um, but my average line set that I fly on is probably in, in a neighborhood of a 75 to an 80 um, is what I fly on. And I will regularly actually fly and for dual um, and quad actually. Um, but I'll also regularly fly on like a 50. But for me, I'm going out there to do different things. You could say uh, one is I think that the shorter line sets um, can be beneficial for a few reasons. If you are learning, um, it is going to lessen your wind window. However, it does allow you to easily see the position and orientation of your kite, which can be beneficial. Um, and also then where are your lines while learning those say slack line tricks? Because again, you can see them a little easier. So that can be beneficial for learning those tricks. The other thing is a lot of times when I'm going out to fly these days, I may be going out to the beach with my wife and my son, and I don't have a whole lot of time to fly and just unwrapping a 50 or 75 foot line set, flying real quick, just having some fun, putting it away. That's my recreational. I'm just going out there to have a good time kind of, kind of deal. And, and that works for me for the space that I'm in. Um, uh, and it, it, it's maybe a little, a little different in that regard, but I'm just going out there to have some fun. And that lets me do that real quick. Yeah, Hunter, um, I would mention, I was just doing some counting in my head. I think I have seven or eight different lengths of line, uh, line sets uh, among my bags, essentially, that are all different, different situations, different things I want to do, I have different line lengths. Um, so yeah, definitely, I, I keep quite a few in my bag. Um, and then on the learning bit, I have actually recently when I've done uh, like kite flying lessons and things, um, I'll put people on short lines um, sometimes, especially on like dual line when they're trying, like one recently I was teaching someone like recoveries, like, oh, that your, your dual line's on the ground in all these different positions, how do you get it back up, <laughs> right? And that's like, we're, we're dealing with recovery. So I need to kind of walk over there to put their kite on the ground and like do stuff all the time. So really short lines is really valuable for just having a much faster feedback loop um, to work through those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, def definitely handy, good, good tool every now and again. Awesome. All right, so this question is, uh, and this is kind of for the designers, but also since you guys have, well, all of you are designers and, and flyers. So I, I have a feeling you have a, a response on this one. Uh, the question is, why would a sport kite have fiberglass or why would it have carbon fiber spars? Does it really make a difference? And if you swap them out, would it change how the kite flies or feels and how? So Paul, as the composites engineer <laughs> that has a lot of yes. background knowledge on fiberglass and, and carbon fiber, do you want to start us off yes, on that one? Yes, it really makes a difference. And yes, it really changes how the kite flies. Um, why would it Why would it have carbon versus fiberglass? I'm thinking that, that, that largely, shall we say, the novice kites and the mass-produced kites will be, will be turning out in, 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 in fiberglass and, and the more... I hate to use that word, but serious kites 
pro level kites will be in carbon fiber. The main difference there uh, may be in what type of carbon fiber we're talking about. Um, is your shortest possible answer on that? So, Paul, can you go into a little bit more detail as to why why the reasoning there for your answer that more of those beginner entry-level kites, why fiberglass, and then the serious kites with hand quotes that people can't see on the podcast, um, why the serious kites have carbon? So simply put, fiberglass composites are, are, are less expensive. So if we're talking about entry-level kites, it's, it's more attractive to put fiberglass composites in, in a kite like that. Um, for a given diameter, a carbon fiber rod or tube will be much more stiff. It will give you essentially more performance. It will keep the kite in, in better shape for a, a, a dynamic wind load, if you will. So that's why... But you're also talking three, four times the cost for for a given diameter and length material. So that's why a higher level kite would be would be uh, built in in a carbon fiber rod or tube. Is one more springier or bender bendier than the other? Like, is it going to flex more? Yeah, when you're flying. For a given diameter, a fiberglass rod or tube will be more, uh, much more flexible. It will be slightly heavier, but not much. It will just be much more flexible, um, which, depending on the design of the kite, may or may not be uh, uh, important and or a good thing or a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. It's just that we think of in, in high-end or mid- to high-end sport kites of it as a bad thing. I definitely think there's such a thing as a kite rod being too stiff, which is why I very much like my protruded kites, my protruded frames and kites, or at least in various parts of a kite, like leading edges. I don't think that... Are, uh, so now we're going to the difference between carbon fiber, protruded, and wrapped. Wrapped typically... Uh, is a method that will allow you to to have a a relatively relatively to the weight of the tube uh, stiffer tube. I don't think that's always the the right way to go in a kite. I think that we can go with slightly more flexible uh, solutions sometimes. Um, but by and large, at the level that that we're flying at, uh, we're looking at carbon fiber rods and tubes and not fiberglass. So, so Paul, just to kind of build off of some of what you said, so talk about, can you talk about the difference in say weight or typical weight between fiberglass and carbon and then also durability? Well, that's, that's interesting because fiberglass actually is, is a tougher material, right? So we're talking about impact strength, a fiberglass rod or tube might hold up a lot better than than a carbon fiber rod or tube but carbon fiber typically is more brittle so we're using that for the for the slightly more intermediate to advanced flyer who may not be a uh crashing their kite so often if you will a fiberglass frame is absolutely more impact resistance um if we're talking about weight i think this is from the top of my head density of carbon fiber is 1.5 1.5 grams per cubic centimeter and fiberglass is 2.3 grams per cubic centimeter. Uh, not that far apart. It's it's the difference between in, in, in stiffness for a given volume in, in tube or rod. 
So I got another one then. And just to ask, and this is going to be one that uh, I don't know if this is still the case. So please, uh, probably Nick or Paul, let me know if it's not. But we have a lot of you know, beginner flyers and intermediate flyers that love the Nexus and the Quantum from Prism. So two extremely popular entry level and intermediate kites. I know they used to be made with what I would almost call some kind of blended or hybrid rod where it was, um, God, I can't even remember now. I think it was, uh, or the quantum specifically was like a, a carbon rod or a fiberglass rod that then had some kind of core to it. Are they still using that? And then can anyone on the call, Paul or anyone discuss that? Because there are so many people that use it. And, and so it applies to a lot of people's kites out there. That was the hemp core? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. So, so I, on, first off, I don't know anymore what's in the Nexus or the Quantum, but to uh, those two. Fiberglass. Really? Okay. I, I'm those, fairly to, certain it's fiberglass throughout. To those two particular tubes, um, one was a carbon fiber tube with a hemp core. Um, so it made it actually a solid rod. Uh, the hemp didn't do anything as far as stiffness is concerned but it prevented it turned the tube into a rod which made it more uh, buckle resistant it prevented the tube from collapsing onto itself um which was a without adding too much weight uh the other thing was was the old plus 230 or plus 210 plus 3 uh or 0.2 10 and 0.230 plus 3 which was a fiberglass tube in a diameter of 0.210 and 0.230 or 6 millimeter fiberglass tube with a couple of strands of carbon and that added just a little bit of extra stiffness um it added mostly the the opportunity to market it as a carbon tube so i'm gonna correct myself uh the quantum is fully pultruded carbon um, and Nexus is a blend of, of fiberglass and pultruded carbon. So when I you would... say blend, you mean one stick is this and the other stick is that, or or all sticks are a actual physical blend of carbon and fiberglass? Uh, I one stick is fiberglass, one stick is is pultruded gotcha. carbon. I believe the it's the difference between the spines, leading edge, and, and uh, spreaders on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I again the using those as example nexus is considered a, a beginner to intermediate or entry level kite for a slightly more serious dual line kite flyer um and quantum is supposed to be intermediate and above um and then you have the boutique builders here on the chat which we could consider advanced uh kite flying and stuff like that so uh that kind of reminds me of, um, I know, Paul, in one or two kites that you've flown or that you prefer flying, you actually like the wingtip to be either fiberglass or a different carbon, so it's more flexible. Am I correct? Yeah. Let's first get back. Hunter, did that, did that satisfy your questions? Yeah, it sure did. Thank you. Um. So yeah, I absolutely, I, I absolutely like a little bit of, of flexibility in my leading edges mostly. Um, lower spreaders in my kites, I like to be stiff. Leading edges, I like to be a little bit more flexible. So that's that that 
uh, goes back to the remark I made previously about there's such a thing as too stiff for me. It doesn't go for everyone. Uh, some pe- so if you have a super stiff frame, everything you do, every input you give is being uh, translated one-to-one into the kite, meaning it's a very unforgiven, uh, unforgiving, I should say, uh, uh, kite. If you're really good and really precise, it makes it look great. If you're anything but perfect, like myself, um, you're gonna you're gonna run into. It's difficult. A, a, a super stiff kite is a difficult kite to fly and to make it to make it look pretty. So uh, I very much like, for that reason, a little bit more flexibility in my leading edge. There's another reason there. Um, my favorite form of sport kite flying is flying to music. Is is getting that 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 expression, that emotion of the music translated through the kite into the sky. Um, with a flexible leading edge, I feel like I can put a little bit more expression into into my flying. It just it just feels better. Paul, maybe to dig in a little bit there um, on kind of the flexible leading edge versus a more stiff leading edge, right? Um, to kind of uh, allay, like to kind of equate that to like what it really feels, right? Is that if you think about what happens when you turn a dual line. Right. What happens is that you pull on one line, it's pulling on the outer parts of the bridle, and that's pulling on the leading edge. So if your leading edge is softer, then the leading edge is going to bend a little bit before the, the sail transitions. Right. So it's going to be it's going to have a little bit of squish um, and you're not going to drop the pressure as quickly because the sail is still kind of intact, keeping that below. But if it's a stiffer frame, then when you pull on those bridle points, the bridle come like the leading edge comes right away and pulls the sail with it. And so that's, you're going to drop your pressure. You're going to kind of lose pressure faster, which is why a lot of like really tricky kites have really stiff frames because they can drop that pressure really easily because it's so stiff. Every movement just takes the whole sail with it. Um, right. So, so that's kind of where you get a little bit of that more, more generally equates to a little bit more pressure or a little bit like more of a pressurized sail when it's a slightly more, more flexible and that it, when you do those turns, you can feel the pressure through the turns, whereas the stiffer leading edges will kind of drop a bit more of that pressure through the turns and feel a little bit less precise, but more trick happy. Would you agree with that generally, Paul? I still think it goes back to, to skill of flyer. Uh, uh, I think that a really stiff frame can also be a really precise kite, depending on the flyer. The kite just, the flyer just needs to be a lot better. Um, I feel like typically a stiff frame is a more slippery frame. And by that, I mean, when you, when you slam that kite into a trick and you're not exactly on top of where that's going, that kite will slide away from you. And uh, a slightly more uh, flexible frame will sort of hold its place in the air a little bit more. It's more forgiving that way. And it just, in my opinion, it looks better. I'm not a Richard Debray. Um, uh, I'm not the best flyer in the world, so I like to be supported a little bit by my by my kite that way. John, John, um, you know, you got you and Devin have just put out you know, uh, uh, three kites. So I'd be curious, you know, your take and what you know why you picked what you guys picked. Yeah, I was Devin's obviously going to have a better answer for that than I would. Um, and I was trying to think of some analogies for Paul and the stiffness and, and flexibility of that. Um, ultimately, I think the best answer that Devin would be proud of me giving is 
it's a relationship as to how the frame and bridle support each other. Um, the the intention standard is a full Sky Shark Nitro frame. Um, you know, it's it's a heavier tube. It's a 15, 16 gram tube, carbon tube, carbon wrap tube um, that is very stiff. Um, to my knowledge, is one of the stiffest tubes on the market. Um, and then, you know, in the crux, we have our standard crux is a, a Sky Shark uh, 5PT, which is, you know, in that 15 gram range as well, 14, 15 gram range as well. Uh, a little bit softer, not as stiff. And then the the Spur SE is uh, not a tapered tube. It is uh, Skyshark P100s. So a little more flexible, but it's uh, those tubes are cut kind of short. So it's it's actually a, a stiffer frame. Um, that's why we're able to use a lighter tube in it in the P100s instead of using P200s uh, because they're cut short. So we're able to use them a lighter tube. Uh, and it's, it's a little more rigid. Um, as far as why we use those tubes, it's Devin's brainchild and his brain works a lot better than mine does. So I don't have great answers, which I should. And it's a shame that I don't, um, the crux, um, is, is certainly a little bit more flexible. It's kind of built to be our, our wild child in our line, uh, and you can kind of, for lack of a little terms, beat the living hell out of it. And it just kind of keeps going. And part of that is because it's it's more flexible. Um, like Paul's saying, you can you beat the daylights out of it and run it in the ground, do whatever you want to do, you know, bounce it off the ground. And it'll, it'll just keep going because of its flexibility. The intention being stiffer and very stiff and very well supported by the bridle. Um, at times and early on in our testing, especially, uh, it was almost overly supported by the bridle and became brittle. We broke a lot of tubes early on in testing because of it was over supported and the tubes were just there. They became so stiff. There was no flexibility. Um, so we had to relieve some tension in the kite itself to, to increase flexibility, uh, within the tubes. So it's, there's certain, certainly a, a married balance in there. And I just got a text from Devin. He said he might jump on in a few minutes. So he would be able to talk about that. Um, so hopefully he does. But uh, for what the intention is and what we wanted it to do, the nitro was the tube that fit the vision of that kite the best. Um seven PTs were too heavy for what we wanted to do. Five PTs weren't stiff enough for what we wanted to do in the crux. Five PT was always going to be the tube for that kite. And in the spur, it was in our eyes, it was always going to be a 100. Uh, once we took it back over from Skyburner, um, when it was a Skyburner, it was in the, the X series tubes and we took it back over to the, the P 100s. And that's just where it felt most comfortable, uh, for us. Hope a lot of that rambling made sense to somebody that's going to listen to this. So if it didn't, I apologize. If it did, thank you. Well, John, one thing that came to mind while you were talking about that was maybe a slight topic of um, 
carbon stiffness or any spar stiffness compared to the size of a kite, right? Mm -hmm. And that the the stiffness, you know, you can define it in, in the deflection, right? How far far of an angle you can you can bend um, bend a spar. And mm -hmm. that's going to be different depending on how long that spar is. And at a shorter distance, you can't get as much deflection, whereas at a longer distance, you can get a lot of deflection. So when it comes down to the size of the kite, smaller car, smaller kite's going to need a more flexible frame to some extent because you have a you have a shorter distance for, for the possibility of deflection. Um, Correct. And this is becomes really obvious to me with with quad line, where you know because because the, the bend and leading edge makes such a big difference in how the belly loads up in a quad line. So if you have you know a big kite with a flexible leading edge, it's going to bend a lot, get really pressurized, and not want to fly real straight. And on the opposite, if you have a small kite with a really stiff frame, it's not going to bend at all. It's not going to pressurize very much. It's going to you know not not really feel powered. Um, and so I saw that a lot when I was experimenting with with building different different quad lines was, oh, I need to change my frame because this kite's smaller. So I need to throw like a 2P in here or like something like that. Um, so yeah, that's a whole kind of interesting concept as well. All right. So I do hope you enjoyed the second part of the general conversation that we had with the guys where they answered a handful of the listener submitted questions. We do have a handful more that we're going to be tackling uh, here shortly in the next episode. So do stay tuned. If you haven't already, consider sharing this podcast with your friends or anyone who you may know might be interested in sport kite flying or even kite flying in general if you haven't go ahead give us a like a subscribe all that good stuff and if you have any feedback or questions don't forget you can always reach us at info at sportkite.org by the way we are planning on hosting another kind of live chat session or a sport kite panel we'll be hosting it on google meet and we'll be posting all that information on the sportkite.org website along with on our facebook page and elsewhere so do stay tuned we'll be sharing more of that information here on the podcast and yeah right now i think we should go out and fly some kites so let's get out there and i will see you on the beach bye